Okay, everybody, when the off-season began, I made a promise that I was going to do at least one episode focusing on every single team in Major League Baseball before the spring training games began. And we're making it just under the wire. Did I save the best for last? No. We're doing the Angels today. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you don't believe me, there's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for the last decade or so, and this is we're about to start the fifth season here at the Lockdown Podcast. I had to double-check that. 2019, yeah, 2020, yeah, okay, yeah. 2021, 20, yeah, fifth season. Doesn't seem like it's been that long. But then again, over the last few years, let's face it, time and space no longer matter. You could follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. You could follow me. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Or feel free to subscribe to our YouTube page. Click on that. We have updates all the time. And you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. Or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is indeed your team every day. And let's just take a show just completely at random. Why not Locked On Angels? And why not do Locked On Angels with friend of the podcast and frequent guest, Hey, it's John Frisch. Hey. But guess what? One Frisch is not enough for this show. No. Never. No. I say bring on Mike Frisch. I'm here. I made it. (laughs) All right. Are you ready to play the feud? I am ready to play the feud. You know, Soli, as an Emmy-nominated producer, I think that when you speak about the Angels – you should speak as an Emmy-nominated producer, and you should use eloquent language, and yes. you should be respectful, mm-hmm. and you should be hopeful mm-hmm. because we are now on your show. And if you're not that, by the end of this show, you will be respectful and hopeful. I guarantee it. Okay. Hey. Well, that. <laughs> Boy, you're using uh, this This section is sponsored by the Men's Warehouse. You're, guar- you're going to like how these <laughs> angels look. I guarantee, I guarantee it. it. Yes. George, Zimmer is, George Zimmer would be so proud of you. Um, I think the last time I felt confident about the Angels was uh, when Tony Danza was pitching for them and Danny Glover was the manager, and they were inexplicably <laughs> playing in Oakland for the film um, Angels in the Outfield. Why did they shoot that in Oakland? I don't understand. Um, <laughs> that's, that's neither here nor there. Probably for the same reason they shot the Angels scenes in Naked Gun at Dodger Stadium. Not 100% sure why that happened either. Something wrong with Anaheim? Seriously? Yes, there is something wrong in Anaheim. The Angels play there. Um, I, I I have to, if, if you've listened to the show, and I know I have been, you'll know that we did a ridiculously early look at the divisions with Miller Thomas earlier this week, and I was very harsh on the Angels. Um, and I have to say this up front, especially if we're doing a 
crossover situation and the Angel fans. I know there's some Angel fans who are thrilled that we're doing an Angels crossover right now. I have, I, I, I cannot say this enough. I am not a hater of the Angels. I, I grew up, a, I grew up in New England as a Boston fan, and I am going to trash the Red Sox. Okay, like crazy. <laughs> My job here is to not be like, hey, the teams I want to win are all great and everyone's going to be happy and it's going to rain ice cream. No, I w- want the Mike Trout game hmm. in October. Yeah. We've had the Bryce Harper moment with his home run that essentially sent the Phillies to the World Series this year. Mm-hmm. When we have our superstars, I want them to have their moment. And as of this recording, someone pointed out that Mike Trout has been to more Philadelphia Eagles playoff games than he has been to Angels playoff games. Ouch. So I want that to happen. And I want Shohei Otani to pitch and hit on the big stage. Yeah. And I was rooting for Joe Madden to win a series in both the American League and National League, cementing his trip to the Hall of Fame. And for a while, when they were in first place, I was going to go like, hey, look at that. This is, uh, is this the Angels' year? And then almost instantly, like the high tide knocking over a sandcastle, <laughs> it went from, is this our year, Angel fans, to Joe Mannon's updating his LinkedIn page and he's fired. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and they're narrowly avoiding ninety losses. Right. Um. Okay. I got the frishes here. I got. I and, and I. I've seen nothing in this off season that makes me think. Ah. Now. Now. Now they've got it. Really. No. Really, okay. I don't. I actually think they look worse. Really. Um. So I. I. I have no faith in this team. Huh. And I think that the Otani situation is going to hang over them like the Hindenburg. Hmm. So I'm not even an Angel fan. I just want to see Mike Trout on the biggest stage talk me off the ledge. As, as, <laughs> I, as someone who's currently attending Cal State Fullerton with connections to Orange County. Right. Let's go. Well, you know, Sully, when, when I used to get bullied as a kid, I'd always bring my big brother to those things. So I'm glad Mike's here to, to help me take <laughs> I'm, on I'm Sully the Bully. I'm, I'm, Sully I'm, the I'm Bully. <laughs> All right. So here, here's the deal, Sully. I would expect somebody who doesn't follow the Angels to say exactly what you say. Because what has happened in the media is that they have said a lot of things because they're not following them extremely close. When the Angels made the trade for Hunter Renfro, we traded three terrible pitchers no for names. Hunter Renfro and Buster only said oh man this pitching organization that has no pitching they they traded all of these guys they need pitching and what a terrible trade it was but every single angel fan went it was Jansen junk and two other guys that, that are literally junk and so that's kind of the perspective that a lot of the national media and including the entire country have of the angels here's Here's why we're excited about this team. This team last year had 1,250 plate appearances with players who were below average as major league ball players, meaning that an average player has a two-point war. They had 43% of their plate appearances with players that are below average major league ball players. 
And then on the flip side, they were in the top 10 with the most played appearances with players who have a three average war, meaning it's Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Taylor Ward, which basically means that we had no middle class. There was no middle class. There was no meat on this bone. And so what Perry Manassian did this offseason is he went and got guys that are meat on the bone. So instead of a guy like Jose Rojas or Tyler Wade or Matt Duffy in the lineup for us, we're going to have guys like Brandon Drury and Gio Urshela and Hunter Renfro. And you can't tell me that Hunter Renfro isn't an improvement over Juan Ligaris, who really <laughs> is a terrible outfielder. And right. that's really what Perry Manassian has done this offseason. And the stats show, and MLB.com had a great article about this, the stats show that if we had these 1,250 plate appearances reversed and had just an average ball player who is average, not below average, but average, we would have been a playoff team because we were giving it bats to people like me and John. I mean, we were giving it bats to people that don't belong on the major league roster. And so right. the fact that they actually went out and got these players helps this team a thousand percent. But again, a lot of people don't notice that because they see the name of Gio Urshela or Brandon Drury or Hunter Renfro and they go, how, how is that an improvement? For Angels, well, it's a huge improvement. And, and here's where I, here's where I 100% agree with you. Um, and it's it's this weird – I've said this about many teams, including the Angels. And I'll confess, I, I while I am geographically close to the Angels, they're not a team I follow as closely. Right. And they're a team that I have been – you know, the the fact of the matter is that every single year since 2015, they've put a losing team on the field. Correct. So you'll forgive me if, you know, if they have this, they're tied for the longest playoff drought and they've had, you know, uh, Obama was in office the last time they put a team above <laughs> yeah. 500. A lot's <laughs> happened since then. Right. right. And so, like, there's a part of me that is like, uh, I'll believe it when I see it. But mm-hmm. Mike, here's where I 100% agree with you. And I say this about every team. And I was just – in an episode that's coming out um, tomorrow where we talk about the Blue Jays, uh, I make this same point on, on some aspects with their, where they have a couple of pitchers who had terrible seasons like Kikuchi and um, uh, uh, Barrios. Both had terrible seasons. And right. I said, if they just have mediocre seasons, mediocre is better than terrible. Yeah. And that sounds kind of weird to say out loud, but it's you're right. They had some players on that team. You know, you have you have two generational talents, and you can't surround them with mediocrity. Right. Well, start surrounding them with mediocrity. And you know, we the the prototypical team. I'll say in terms of that, um, I guess of that. Uh, uh, foundation would be the Boston Strong Red Sox in 2013, where they brought in just a bunch of players who on the surface were like Mike Napoli, Johnny mm-hmm. Gomes, mm-hmm. Stephen Drew, Koji Uehara, you know, and, and like, really? And then you realize, well, yeah, they're all okay. Yeah. Now, to be fair, that team also had John Lester, Clay Buckholz, David Ortiz, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury, and um, uh, uh who did I miss? Did I say Dustin Pedroia? Um, but they had the disastrous 2012 season where a lot of those players weren't producing and they, they came back up. Right. So you are right that if you take some of the horrible players and put merely like 
zero war win, you know, zero war yeah. players, yeah. you know, just league average players. That is a step up. Yeah. That is an absolute step up. And I, you know, I do think that I, you know, I think you're right. I think that it's still, I mean, it's still a tough bet to say that that whole combination is going to turn them around to the point where they can be thinking about a playoff situation, mainly because of my concerns with the pitching staff as a whole. By the way, I have to just say this, and please, please don't take offense. If you're making any bets, go to FanDuel.com. FanDuel.com is our new partner. We're midway through the NBA season, and now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss out on the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Turn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sporting bets partner of the NBA. Hey, um, get that banner out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm covering up poor Mike's lower third there. <laughs> All right. Um, we talked about FanDuel enough. Um, let, I mean, there is the elephant in the room, and it's not Stomper, the mascot of the A's. It is <laughs> nope. the pitching staff. Got to meet him at the uh, All-Star game, by the way. <laughs> you know it's a dude in a costume, right? <laughs> What? <laughs> I had on my old podcast, AJ Mass, who was uh, Mr. Met for a little oh, bit. Oh, cool. And, That's cool. Uh, uh, someone I knew, uh, a, uh, a comedian I knew who, uh, she was a very talented improv performer, was uh, Tony the Tiger at an event at Dodger Stadium. Um, it, it's just, when you meet the people who are in the costume, it makes it makes life a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> all right, look at Patrick Sandoval wasn't bad. Patrick Sandoval wasn't bad. Obviously, Shohei Otani uh, was... Uh, top was it top five Cy Young? Yeah. I, he didn't make the top three, but no. I, which I actually thought he should have. He should have. Um, but um, but he's but again, fine year, uh, better than I think people uh, better than I thought he was going to pitch. I thought I thought the the scuttlebutt for me with him was going to be he is a very good offensive player and a fine pitcher, but he was a, he pitched like a true ace last he year. He was mm-hmm. great. Um, uh. So talk me through how I'm going to be looking at this team with some of the new additions, with some of the returning faces, with some of the uh, prospects, with the improved defense. Where am I seeing a wild card contending pitching staff here? Well, I think if you you got to start, obviously, with the pitching staff because they were phenomenal last year. And you brought up Patrick Sandoval. Mm-hmm. An interesting stat with Patrick Sandoval is that he left eight of his starts with the lead. He had pitched mm-hmm. five innings at least and left eight of his starts with the lead. So that, that record that he had last year, I believe five and nine should have been flipped around 
and it should have been whole much better. People should. I, I'm I'm to the point where I I wish even for you know even if you're a traditional stats fan, yeah, I, I you should eliminate the win loss record, especially if we're we're lifting everyone after five. What they yeah. should have is the average start. Yep. Mm. You know, they should figure out an yep. average start for him is like five, six innings, two earned runs, whatever it is. Because the win losses, especially because then this is an old school Sully, old man Sully saying, Rod Day, Bob Gibson broke both of his legs and had his <laughs> arms amputated. He still completed the game. Yeah. No, I, we're pitching this way. So therefore, win losses tell us absolutely nothing right. about right. The, the merits of a of a of a, a team, even if you want to just use, even if you don't want to get into the the woods and deeper stats, if you're just into innings pitched, hits, earn runs, walks, strikeouts, all the traditional stats, show me what a traditional, uh, what an yeah. average line is, and that'll tell us a hell of a lot more. Well, that's why and I, like I think. The, uh... And I brought up Sandoval because even though I'm, I don't follow him as closely as you do, yeah. Sandoval had a a much better year than a ca- casual fan would have thought with this team. Well, that's why I like the FIP stat, uh, because that actually measures how much they can control. And if you look at the stats for Sandoval, you look at the stats for Detmers, both of those guys had really strong FIP numbers last year and were able to pitch really well. And they just didn't have the offense or the defense behind them that that set them up to win. And then another guy in that starting rotation that's new is a guy that John actually predicted would be on the Angels, and that's Tyler Anderson. John, talk a little bit about him. Yeah, I mean, coming from the Dodgers organization, I mean, he really found himself last season, and I really believe that changeup he developed with the Dodgers is going to carry over. But even at the very least, if he regresses to a you know a high three, a low four ERA guy, it's still uh, an, an improvement over some of the guys that they had to run out last season due to injury or one thing or another or trading away Noah Syndergaard and things like that. I think that they made a, a really uh, good jump in in signing Tyler Anderson, someone that's going to go out there and get them a lot of innings and add probably slot in behind Shohei Otani. So that will be the, the the first two. And then you think about they they are skipping the sixth starter when they have the days off so that they can get Shohei in there more, which is about right. three, four more starts throughout the course of the year. Obviously, if everything goes according to plan, right? They, he's got to be healthy and uh, he's proven that he can, go a full year the last two years, which is great. But yeah, so not only are they taking away starts from guys that uh, don't need them, essentially, they only need a sixth starter about 16 times this season. And mm-hmm. so they can kind of split that up between, you know, whoever they want to give a shot to. And and they've got guys in the minor leagues. They've got Griffin Canning coming back. They've got Jaime Berea who can come out of the bullpen, who actually as a long relief guy was really solid last year. And, you know, this whole pitching staff solely, I mean, they ended up ninth in the league in terms of, of ERA, and that's including not a great bullpen. They had a 3.77 ERA ahead of St. Louis and San Diego and Toronto. And so they're, they're, they surprised us last season as longtime yeah. Angel fans because pitching has always been the problem and right. offense hasn't been the problem. And suddenly that script was flipped. flipped. And, yeah. and, and so offense was the issue. Uh, last season you wish you could voltron some of those years or you could have had some of the good pitching performances of last year <laughs> right yeah some of those years when they were just hitting home runs left and right right yeah. you know, you, it's timing it out um i remember this is this is totally i'm totally um pulling something from my time growing up but i remember the uh the mariners in the 80s had two pitchers who were aces 
except they were never aces the same year. Hmm. It were Mark Langston and, and Mike Moore. One year Langston would dominate and Moore would be a mess. Yeah. <laughs> the next year Moore would be fantastic and Langston would be overpowered. And like, and you look back, it's because the West was very weak uh, until the A's discovered anabolic steroids. The A's were the, the West was very weak. And if the Mariners had timed, especially in '87. If the Mariners had timed those two having a good year at the same time, they would have an incredible one-two punch. It's kind of, you look back like, why wasn't that team better? They had good hitting. They had these two ace pitchers because they never timed it out. Mm -hmm. And this Angels team, in an odd way, I guess it's a Mark Langston connection there, um, (laughs) this kind of reminds me that there are pitchers, there are players, there are hitters who it just hasn't, they haven't timed it out correctly. Yeah, Yeah. right. And, and... You know, and and obviously, I mean, Trout notwithstanding, they've had a lot of times where you've had very good performances from this player this one year, but then the next year, uh, Walsh has fallen apart this year. Oh, right. but now they're getting the Sandoval pitching. Oh, but suddenly, you know, Rendon is hurt, and, and they're just pitching around Trout, who missed 40 games anyway. You know, like, it just, like, nothing seems to time out with this Angels mm-hmm. team, um, which in some ways also probably cost Joe Madden his job. Yeah, you know, Joe didn't get dumb. He didn't go for the genius from Tampa and the Cubs, and suddenly now he's he's, he's an idiot going in the in the dugout. I, I think I agree with you partially on that, though, because what we saw as Angel fans last year was, and Joe Madden has now talked about it in his book. I know he's trying to sell books, but he's talked about how he had tension with Perry Manassian because Perry had a game plan. They would sit down and talk about it before the game, and then Joe would actually go and kind of do his own thing. And there were so many games, and it kind of led up to that 14-game losing streak where he would not give he would not give his bullpen a clean inning. He would let a guy go out there and only maybe throw at a couple of a batters, and then the next inning he's got somebody else in there or he's moved somebody around or he pulled Jose Suarez, for example, a young guy who's developing kind of like a young Bartolo left-handed, and he pulled him in so many games after three or four innings. And so I don't think he got dumb. I just think maybe there was a bit of a arrogance about how he was going to manage versus how Perry Manassian was hoping that he would actually manage this team, which then I think caused the crash and burn. Yeah, and, and the forward thinking Joe Madden of of Tampa, and you know even even Chicago, like where was that guy with with our halos? Like that seemed to be missing. That quality yeah. seemed to be missing, and he's only proven that in the conversations and the book and and all of the podcasts he's been on since he was dismissed. It's like. Uh, Where'd that guy go? Because yeah, that's not who right. he got, and that's not who he is anymore. It's strange. And, and no, I don't think it's strange for this reason. Who at one point was the most innovative and forward-thinking manager in all of baseball was Tony La Russa at one point. Mm-hmm. They wrote mm-hmm. books. Yeah, fair. Uh, they wrote, it was on the cover <laughs> of Sports Illustrated about yeah. how much of a genius it was. George Will's writing books about this guy is thinking on a different level. You know, there are certain, you know, Billy Martin was that at some points in his career. And you know, and it's almost like when you have someone who's like a, a cutting edge movie director, when they come up that, oh, my God, the most exciting young filmmaker we've seen in years. And eventually that filmmaker becomes, OK, you're doing the same thing. You're you know, you're, <laughs> like like the, the forward thinking, like when you get the massive success mm-hmm. the way La Russa did, the way that Quentin Tarantino did, the way that Joe Madden did, suddenly that new freshness you have 
is you're entrenched. And you could have all the conversations in the world with the front office. They're like, I'm sorry, aren't I the guy who took the Tampa Bay Rays to the World Series yeah. when everyone said you can't contend in a division with the Red Sox and Yankees? Aren't I the guy who won a freaking World Series with the Chicago Cubs? Remind me who you are. And I'm sure that's got to enter your cranium. Sure. And sure. when you, you know, where is that young forward thinking person? He had success. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a great point. And so, you know, and, and, and by the way, listeners to the podcast, line up your shots. Cause I'm going to say the stuff I say when you do your shots, <laughs> um, this is when you take someone who clearly has baseball pet, you know, baseball pedigree, but hasn't had their big shot as a manager. And I have a thing that people do shots every time I say Bruce Bochy's lieutenants, <laughs> but Bruce Bochy win three world series with, with two dudes like, you know, guys like Roberto Kelly and Hensley Mullins and, you know, Tim Flannery and Ron Wotus, all these people who, I mean, I've been leaning on Roberto Kelly and, and Hensley Mullins, two guys <laughs> who have been, you know, major league players you know roberto kelly was an all-star they both had baseball iqs off the charts and were in the coaching staff of multiple world series champions and now looking to get the car keys for a franchise they're probably more you know more uh amenable Hmm. to saying all right i have the car keys you know i'm smart you know i've been part of a winning culture you know the the players will look at me like ah you i get what you're doing Okay, so now talk to me how we're going to make this work. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what happened to Joe Madden? He got success. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and then and then Perry Manassian, when he got hired, Joe was kind of already there. And so it wasn't re- even really his guy. So they mm-hmm. had to get into a room and they had to figure it out. They weren't able to brainstorm and think through like, hey, here's how we're going to work together. They had to figure out how to work together and they'd never figured that out. And you could tell with all of the chaos on the field. And then Ray Montgomery, who is a bench coach for the angels was working in the front office and was sent down. And now we discover that Ray Montgomery was sent down because he was kind of Perry Manassian's eyes and ears Mm -hmm. in the dugout because there was a tension between Joe Madden and Manassian. So I can understand why there was a lack of success and I can understand the arrogance, but I think a lot of it had to do with, the product on the field and both of them not thinking what was best for the team, but maybe making decisions that worked for Tampa in 08 or maybe the Cubs in 2016, but not for the halos in 2022. And by the way, Joe Madden's going to get another job because this is going to happen. There'll be a, an owner of some team that is going to be sick of waiting for his team to get better and sick of listening. Like you haven't listened to all your sabermetric stuff. It's not getting us anywhere. Joe Madden's available. Do you know what? I'm going to bring him in. And do you know what? Joe may have success, mm-hmm. or it may be Tony Larusa 2.0. Mm-hmm. No one can deny Tony Larusa was a great manager. You know, and you know, with the success he had in Chicago, the first time, Oakland right. and and St. Louis. But he was out of the game for ten years. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And a lot can happen in the mindset in 10 years. And he clearly was being overmatched as a manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also was of the mentality of, don't you tell me what to do. I'm Tony F. and La Russa. Right. <laughs> and right. I never, I've never been a La Russa fan, but he had the greatest ride off to the sunset where his final game was game winning game seven of the World Series. Yeah. Right. Right. Why you would spoil that curtain call, I'll have no idea. Mm-hmm. But they get it. So he had, it 
if he, you know, he made the playoffs with the Chicago the first year. So if they had gone on and won the World Series, then, you know, we would have egg on our face. But, you know, it happens with movie directors, happens with, you know, but times you see, uh, uh, you know, a, a super innovative, edgy rock star, you know, Sting was of the police, the coolest, edgiest band on the planet. You know, I think he's doing like, you know, Papa John's ads or something. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, that's ha- it ha- what happens is success. Right. Yeah. Look at right. me as a podcaster. Why am I so arrogant? Because I've had such overwhelming <laughs> success. Right. Right. You shouldn't have laughed that hard. That- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'll, I'll try to hold it in. <laughs> you know, you're missing a, You're missing your Emmy. It should it should sit right behind you. I think that's that a nomination. Just... <laughs> nomination. Put the Believe nomination. Me, if, if I had won, it'd be right there. <laughs> you a, were robbed. You were robbed. Pin. I was robbed. I was robbed. <laughs> we're here with the Frishes of Locked On Angels, the Super Halo Brothers. And uh, look it. I, 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 You've gotten me off the ledge a little bit. You've got me off the ledge because you're right. They didn't make the big splash move. They didn't make sign the big ace pitcher. Um, and and as someone who really wants to see Mike Trout on the big stage, you know, it's like a few years ago when Garrett Cole was available. I just thought I absolutely thought he was going to the Angels. Mm-hmm. I thought, there it is. It's the perfect mm-hmm. place for him to land. And he landed in New York. And maybe. And that was, was probably a sign for everybody. He took one look around and like, um, no, bye. <laughs> um, there is an elephant, another elephant in the room. There's a lot of elephants in this room. Um, <laughs> and not Stomper. Not Stomper. Uh, Moreno. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to bring it down. I just feel like I just did a fart in an elevator right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's some ownerships that, you, you you would like him to take his step, you know, if either not get involved, you know, just take care, like let the cash flow. I mean, the Angels are a very, you know, profitable team. They got a huge media contract. They have a mm-hmm. they have very good attack. For a team that hasn't had a winning season as long as they have, they draw very well. Yeah. There is a tremendous amount of fan interest in them. This is one thing yeah. that people outside of California don't understand. It's not like this is not a team that doesn't draw fans. It doesn't have right. a fan base. It's a great fan base. Yeah. They make a ton of money, you know, and you know, she could reap the benefits. There are always this sort of weird stuff going on with a stadium and is there's illegal stuff happening and are they going to Long Beach? What the hell is going on? Yeah. I think that sort of thing can hang over a franchise and yeah, a team can win with with uh, with turmoil in the front office. There's lots of examples of that, but there just seems to be something going on. As they they have this player that was forged on Mount Olympus and handed down, and the guy <laughs> could have ran to free agency. Instead, he said, "No, I'm signing me to the heat death of the universe." Um, but you know, the, the I think the the question of Otani is going to hang over this team all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and, and cause trout has very deep roots with the angels. He wants to be the greatest angel and he wants to, he doesn't want to get, you know, hop onto a championship team at the end of his career where, Oh, he won with the Dodgers and da, da, da. Right. He wants to win with the angels. Mm-hmm. Otani doesn't have those roots. 
Otani will run to the highest bidder the hmm. nanosecond he becomes a free agent. Hmm. So the potential loss of Otani could really hang over this team and be a real sense of urgency of, Christ's sakes, there's three playoff spots that are wild card. There's six playoff spots. You know you're not winning this division. Right. You're not gonna you're not gonna sniff the Astros. But you look and you're like, are they better? Okay, are they better than Toronto? I mean, you get Toronto or the Yankees, one of them are gonna win the division. Mm-hmm. Probably Cleveland or Minnesota is gonna win the Central. Yeah. So that means either Toronto or the Yankees are gonna be a wild card team. That means you know, Seattle's probably going to be a wild card team. So that's really one realistic spot you're fighting for. Yeah. Where you'll be fighting with Tampa, whoever the runner up is in the central, Minnesota or Cleveland, probably won't be Chicago. Um, you assume Baltimore and Boston may or may not, I don't know, Texas, you know, probably not. But that third wild card spot is that's the holy grail you're running mm-hmm. for. Yeah. Do they have a real shot at it? I really think they do. And the reason why I think they do is the guys that they added to this team added 14 points of war to this team. And a 14-win increase for the for the Angels brings them from 73 wins to at least 89 wins. And I think this team can get to 90-91 wins. And I think that they can actually be competitive. And I would compare them to what the Mariners did two years ago when they kind of shocked the world and fan graphs projected that they would win probably 80 games and they ended up winning 90 games. And, and I think that the angels can be there as well because they have a pretty good team kind of undefined at the moment, a lot of potential, but I think that the, the players they brought in are major league ready players. And the team that we started with last year didn't have that. And we went 27 and 17 yeah. And so I think that this team is going to be much improved and I think that they will be competitive. Angel fans will hold their breath on game 45 because we had 44 right. games where we were 10 games over 500 game 45 is going to be that moment where we're like, okay, let's see if we can keep it going. We're notoriously, notoriously terrible starters. I mean, they won the world series in 02 and they went six and 14 to start that season. But that was also a season where they had Jared Washburn and they had Kevin Apier and they had, a lot of pitchers, uh, Ramon Ortiz, John Lackey as a rookie. These guys Weber, were yeah, undefined. Weber, Donnelly, a lot of those guys. Yeah, give, yeah, all of those guys. If you go back, there's some articles that I just recently read. If you go back and you read about that team, a lot of what they're saying about the Angels right now is what they were saying about the Angels from the offseason 01 to 02 because they had a lot of cast off. Donnelly wasn't anybody except they called him a scab because he was he crossed the line during the, right, right. the strike. So – I really think that this team can get to at least 89 wins. And I think that they can get that third wild card spot. And quite honestly, I think that that's perfect for them because any time off in the past has shown that the angels are not successful. 2014, we were the best team in the league and then we got swept out of the playoffs. And so I would rather see this team specifically Shohei Otani on the mound in make it or break it games. And I think that that's going to be what carries this team into the next round and possibly into some really competitive games in the playoffs. And if you want an indication for why 2023 will be better than 2022, the the team that went 27 and 17 last season that had everybody hyped and excited and Jeff Passon said, Hey, look what's happening in Southern California before he jinxed us. They started, (laughs) They started Matt Duffy at cleanup. Yeah. That on opening day. 
Matt Duffy got a minor league contract. Tyler Wade, who was going to be our shortstop second baseman, minor league contract with the, with the ace. Uh, you go from Anthony Rendon to uh, Jose Rojas. Do you know who Jose Rojas is, Sully? <laughs> exactly. He walked, he a uniform. Yeah, he's now exactly. playing in the WBO, by the way. Right. Like, <laughs> these, these, these are the, the kinds of people that we're, we're dealing with. When Mike Trout goes down with an injury, they bring in Aaron Whitefield. Do you know Aaron Whitefield, Sully? Yeah, yeah, he's of uh, the Whitefields. He was right <laughs> the <laughs> his, his, his daughter is selling Girl Scout cookies. I bought some thin <laughs> mints from him. Yeah. <laughs> and again, so it, it just like it wasn't the splashy moves. It wasn't the big moves because they have the superstars: Otani, yeah. Trout, yeah. Rendon. They gotta stay healthy. Yeah. But when you you've got a sandwich with with no lettuce and tomato and and beef in the middle you've got two slices of bread and your superstars and then you got nothing in the middle i think they added to that that angel sandwich if you will <laughs> he won't I, I, may, <laughs> that look tells may, me he won't <laughs> uh, we, we may have to call this episode the angel sandwich there you go <laughs> i like it i like it perfect all right well look at uh we have two really this is a double decker sandwich that we've had here um look at i You've given me a little more optimism. I'm still the it's the numbers game for me. Sure. Mm-hmm. The fact that you know, the, you know, it's you know, it, you're not winning the division. Right. The Astro, I mean, unless the Astros have a cataclysmic number of injuries. Yeah. I, I think the Astros are heads and shoulders the best team in the American League right they now. Stay, they stay healthy, so they just yeah. stay healthy. Constantly. They're going to be fine. Yeah. They're going to be fine. <laughs> I think they're going to win a hundred games, and I actually think Seattle is going to be you know low nineties. Hmm. Um, I think the and I think the both the Blue Jays and the Yankees are going to be uh, mid to low nineties. I think Tampa. Remember who Tampa was a mash unit last year and yeah. still got a playoff bid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think are going to be a high eighties win team, and if everything goes right, they may be a low nineties. Um, I think the both the, I think Cleveland and Minnesota are both mid eighties win teams. I think I think Cleveland's going to regress a little. I think Minnesota, who just had a bad last month, I think they're going to come back a little bit. I have no faith in Chicago. I think Baltimore is going to regress. I think Boston is a mess. I think Detroit's a mess. I think Kansas City's a mess. Yeah. Um, I, I, I oddly, I, I, I'm, I'll buy Texas when I see it. They keep bringing all these people who are in full body casts and saying, "Oh, we're going to get <laughs> if we get, you know, if we get 30 starts out of uh, Degrom." I said, "Over how many years?" Right. And, uh, <laughs> And he already pulled um, something or felt something you know on Wednesday. I, I oddly, I oddly am not writing off the, I don't think the A's are going to have a winning season, but whenever the A's are filled with nobodies, yeah, 100%. that's when I get, that's when you say, okay, Watch they're out. full of nobodies Watch out. and everyone circles on, well, here's three easy wins. And oh man, these, these kids who are playing in front of nobody and just having fun and relax and loose and, shockingly took two out of three again yeah. and then yeah. you know yeah the, i think they're going to be a 75 win team i don't mm. think they're going to contend but i think i mean man they did a lot better than i thought they were a bunch of kids nobody knew having fun relaxed mm-hmm. um the, those teams scare me when mm-hmm. the, you know the the teams are, we got nothing to lose what do we yeah. got um 
I don't know where the Angels fit in it right now. Hmm. I really don't, just by the numbers. I'd like to be wrong for two reasons, three reasons. Um, I want to be able to get playoff tickets. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Yep. I want to see Otani and Trout on the big stage. Absolutely. And I want Lockdown Angels to become the number one Angels podcast out there. And how great would that be if they have a winning season? And by the way, I do want to thank you, my listeners, for making Lockdown MLB your first listen every day. Your second listen clearly has to be Lockdown Angels. Uh, but then your third listen, go to Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby, he's a prospect encyclopedia. He'll tell you everybody on the A's. And he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free wherever you get your podcast. Hey, Frishes, John and Mike, tell people where they can follow your show. Well, you can follow us at Locked On Angels, and that's on Twitter. And you can also follow us at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. And we are pretty interactive. John runs those pages. And so if you like what we say, then it's both of us. If you don't like what we say, then it's John. I got in trouble last week going back and forth with an Astro fan. By the way. <laughs> he did. Mike, Mike, playing, Mike were, had to scold me. <laughs> were they playing the, the martyr card? They, they, love, uh, they love playing the martyr card. They love yep, something, martyr something card. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Come at me, Astros fans. <laughs> As I said, Absolutely I, love, I love to point out someone said I had an unhinged hatred for the Astros. Even after I pointed out I rooted for them in the 2021 and 2022 World Series. So two straight years I rooted for the team that I have unhinged hatred for to win the World Series. (laughs) That kind of hate you just can't get around. Um, You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And for those of you who say, hey, you never talk about my team. That's factually untrue. Since the Astros won that World Series, of which I was very happy for, to right now, just as pitchers and catchers are showing up and everyone at Ace Camp has a little hello, my name is sticker. I don't know who anyone is. Yes. I have done at least one podcast about all 30 teams. Everlast one of them. Couple of them more than one. But every last one of them I've done. And guess what I'm going to do in the regular season? At least once, we're going to specifically talk about your team. And probably more than once, because that's what we do. It is your team every day. This is the flagship show. And I'm going to be trying to talk about every team. And I can't cover everybody. If your team's 38 games out of first place in September, (laughs) I'm probably not going to make that be my focus. You must be able to understand that. And you must remember this. We're here. Talk about baseball. It's your team every day. We're talking about there is no offseason for me. For John Frisch and Mike Frisch, the Super Halo brothers and hosts of Locked On Angels, my name is Paul Francis Sullivan. This has been Locked On MLB. Please, I'm begging you, call me Sully.